Frederica, who was born to be the torment of my life, chose to set herself so violently against the match that I thought it better to lay aside the scheme for the present. I have more than once repented that I did not marry him myself, and were he but one degree less contemptibly weak, I certainly should. But I must own myself rather romantic in that respect, and that riches only will not satisfy me. The event of all this is very provoking. Sir James is gone, Maria highly incensed, and Mrs. Mannering insupportably jealous. So jealous, in short, and so enraged against me, that in the fury of her temper I should not be surprised at her appealing to her guardian, if she had the liberty of addressing him. But there your husband stands my friend, and the kindest, most amiable action of his life was his throwing her off for ever on her marriage. Keep up his resentment, therefore, I charge you. We are now in a sad state. No house was ever more altered. The whole party are at war, and Mannering scarcely dares speak to me. It is time for me to be gone. I have therefore determined on leaving them, and shall spend, I hope, a comfortable day with you in town within this week. If I am as little in favour with Mr. Johnson as ever, you must come to me at 10 Wigmore Street. But I hope this may not be the case, for as Mr. Johnson, with all his faults, is a man to whom that great word, respectable, is always given, and I am known to be so intimate with his wife, his slighting me has an awkward look. I take London in my way to that insupportable spot, a country village, for I am really going to Churchill. Forgive me, my dear friend, it is my last resource. Whether another place in England open to me, I would prefer it. Charles Vernon is my aversion, and I am afraid of his wife. At Churchill, however, I must remain till I have something better in view. My young lady accompanies me to town, where I shall deposit her under the care of Miss Summers in Wigmore Street, till she becomes a little more reasonable. She will make good connections there, as the girls are all of the best families. The price is immense much beyond what I can ever attempt to pay. Adieu. I will send you a line as soon as I arrive in town. Yours ever. S. Vernon. Mrs. Vernon to Lady de Courcy. Churchill. My dear mother, I am very sorry to tell you that it will not be in our power to keep our promise of spending our Christmas with you. And we are prevented that happiness by a circumstance which is not likely to make us any amends. Lady Susan, in a letter to her brother-in-law, has declared her intention of visiting us almost immediately. And as such a visit is in all probability merely an affair of convenience, it is impossible to conjecture its length. I was by no means prepared for such an event, nor can I now account for her ladyship's conduct. Langford appeared so exactly the place for her, in every respect, as well from the elegant and expensive style of living there, as from her particular attachment to Mr. Mannering, that I was very far from expecting so speedy a distinction, though I always imagined from her increasing friendship for us since her husband's death, 
that we should, at some future period, be obliged to receive her. Mr. Vernon, I think, was a great deal too kind to her when he was in Staffordshire. Her behaviour to him, independent of her general character, has been so inexcusably artful and ungenerous since our marriage was first in agitation, that no one less amiable and mild than himself could have overlooked it all. And though, as his brother's widow, and in narrow circumstances, it was proper to render her pecuniary assistance. I cannot help thinking his pressing invitation to her to visit us at Churchill perfectly unnecessary. Disposed, however, as he always is, to think the best of everyone, her display of grief and professions of regret, and general resolutions of prudence, were sufficient to soften his heart and make him really confide in her sincerity. But, as for myself, I am still unconvinced, and plausibly as her ladyship has now written, I cannot make up my mind till I better understand her real meaning in coming to us. You may guess, therefore, my dear madam, with what feelings I look forward to her arrival. She will have occasion for all those attractive powers for which she is celebrated to gain any share of my regard, and I shall certainly endeavour to guard myself against their influence, if not accompanied by something more substantial. She expresses a most eager desire of being acquainted with me, and makes very gracious mention of my children. But I am not quite weak enough to suppose a woman who has behaved with inattention, if not with unkindness, to her own child, should be attached to any of mine. Miss Vernon is to be placed at a school in London before her mother comes to us, which I am glad of, for her sake and my own. It must be to her advantage to be separated from her mother, and a girl of sixteen who has received so wretched an education could not be a very desirable companion here. Reginald has long wished, I know, to see the captivating Lady Susan, and we shall depend on his joining our party soon. I am glad to hear that my father continues so well, and am, with best love, etc., Catherine Vernon. Mr. de Courcy to Mrs. Vernon, Parklands. My dear sister, I congratulate you and Mr. Vernon on being about to receive into your family the most accomplished coquette in England. As a very distinguished flirt, I have always been taught to consider her, but it has lately fallen in my way to hear some particulars of her conduct at Langford which prove that she does not confine herself to that sort of honest flirtation which satisfies most people, but aspires to the more delicious gratification of making a whole family miserable. By her behaviour to Mr. Mannering, she gave jealousy and wretchedness to his wife, and by her attentions to a young man previously attached to Mr. Mannering's sister, deprived an amiable girl of her lover. I learnt all this from Mr. Smith, now in this neighbourhood. I have dined with him at Hurst and Wilford, who is just come from Langford, where he was a fortnight with her ladyship, and who is therefore well qualified to make the communication. What a woman she must be! I long to see her, 
and shall certainly accept your kind invitation that I may form some idea of those bewitching powers which can do so much, engaging at the same time and in the same house the affections of two men, who are neither of them at liberty to bestow them, and all this without the charm of youth. I am glad to find Miss Vernon does not accompany her mother to Churchill, as she has not even manners to recommend her, and, according to Mr. Smith's account, is equally dull and proud. Where pride and stupidity unite, there can be no dissimulation worthy notice, and Miss Vernon shall be consigned to unrelenting contempt. But by all that I can gather, Lady Susan possesses a degree of captivating deceit which it must be pleasing to witness and detect. <laughs> I shall be with you very soon, and am ever your affectionate brother, R. de Courcy. Lady Susan Vernon to Mrs. Johnson. Churchill. I received your note, my dear Alicia, just before I left town, and rejoiced to be assured that Mr. Johnson suspected nothing of your engagement the evening before. It is undoubtedly better to deceive him entirely, and since he will be stubborn, he must be tricked. I arrived here in safety and have no reason to complain of my reception from Mr. Vernon, but I confess myself not equally satisfied with the behaviour of his lady. She is perfectly well-bred, indeed, and has the air of a woman of fashion, but her manners are not such as can persuade me of her being prepossessed in my favour. I wanted her to be delighted at seeing me. I was as amiable as possible on the occasion, but all in vain she does not like me. To be sure, when we consider that I did take some pains to prevent my brother-in-law's marrying her, this want of cordiality is not very surprising, and yet it shows an illiberal and vindictive spirit to resent a project which influenced me six years ago, and which never succeeded at last. I am sometimes disposed to repent that I did not let Charles buy Vernon Castle when we were obliged to sell it, but it was a trying circumstance especially as the sale took place exactly at the time of his marriage, and everybody ought to respect the delicacy of those feelings which could not endure that my husband's dignity should be lessened by his younger brother's having possession of the family estate. Could matters have been so arranged as to prevent the necessity of our leaving the castle, could we have lived with Charles and kept him single, I should have been very far from persuading my husband to dispose of it elsewhere, but Charles was on the point of marrying Mr. Courcy, and the event has justified me. Here are children in abundance, and what benefit could have accrued to me from his purchasing Vernon? My having prevented it may perhaps have given his wife an unfavourable impression, but where there is a disposition to dislike, a motive will never be wanting, and as to money matters, it has not withheld him from being very useful to me. I really have a regard for him. Is so easily imposed upon. The house is a good one, the furniture fashionable, and everything announces plenty and elegance. Charles is very rich, I'm sure. When a man has once got his name in a banking house, he rolls in money. But they do not know what to do with it, keep very little company, and never go to London but on business. We shall be as stupid as possible. I mean to win my sister-in-law's heart through the children. I know all their names already and I'm going to attach myself with the greatest sensibility to one in particular, a young Frederick, whom I take on my lap and sigh over for his dear uncle's sake. Poor Mannering, 
I need not tell you how much I miss him, how perpetually he is in my thoughts. I found a dismal letter from him on my arrival here, full of complaints of his wife and sister, and lamentations on the cruelty of his fate. I passed off the letter as his wife's to the Vernons, and when I write to him, it must be under cover to you. Ever yours, S. Vernon. <laughs> Mrs. Vernon to Mr. de Courcy. Churchill. Well, my dear Reginald, I have seen this dangerous creature, and must give you some description of her. Though I hope you will soon be able to form your own judgment, she is really excessively pretty. However you may choose to question the allurements of a lady no longer young, I must, for my own part, declare that I have seldom seen so lovely a woman as Lady Susan. She is delicately fair, with fine grey eyes and dark eyelashes. And from her appearance, one would not suppose her more than five and twenty, though she must, in fact, be ten years older. I was certainly not disposed to admire her, though always hearing she was beautiful, but I cannot help feeling that she possesses an uncommon union of symmetry, brilliancy, and grace. Her address to me was so gentle, frank, and even affectionate, that if I had not known how much she had always disliked me for marrying Mr. Vernon, and that we had never met before, I should have imagined her an attached friend. One is apt, I believe, to connect an assurance of manner with coquetry, and to expect an impudent address will naturally attend an impudent mind. At least I was myself prepared for an improper degree of confidence in Lady Susan but her countenance is absolutely sweet, and her voice and manner winningly mild. I am sorry it is so, for what is this but deceit? Unfortunately, one knows her too well. She is clever and agreeable, has all that knowledge of the world which makes conversation easy, and talks very well, with a happy command of language, which is too often used, I believe, to make black appear white. She has already almost persuaded me of her being warmly attached to her daughter, though I have been so long convinced to the contrary. She speaks of her with so much tenderness and anxiety, lamenting so bitterly the neglect of her education, which she represents, however, as wholly unavoidable, that I am forced to recollect how many successive springs her ladyship spent in town, while her daughter was left in Staffordshire to the care of servants, or a governess, very little better,